enough um, extent to which they're working closely together, spending time together, communicating with each other. And I think that's the most important thing. It gives us a chance to come up with an overarching policy and an ability to start together. And I think we all recognize that there is a significant chance that that may not be possible. That's the athletic director at Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick, and just don't know what the hell's going to happen with college football. It is May 6th, and governing bodies of sports still get together, it feels like, every day when some of them have no idea when really, truly they'll be able to start again, but they want to start on time. And, you know, there's still some time for football to start on time. And so we have the latest on when we think and just hearing from powerful people like Jack Swarbrick of what things could look like when we get to the time football usually starts. Pros, college, high school, and we'll give you some ideas here over the next 20 minutes on Craig and John. Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com, the free KWSN mobile app, a University of Minnesota Board of Regent, uh, of Regent, I should say, <laughs> Regent, uh, said something that uh, the rest of the Board of Regents apparently didn't like on a on Paul Feinbaum's show in the South. Uh, but, Craig, basically the feeling is for big-time college football, hey, um, we, could, we could have some teams playing over here and other teams not playing over there. And uh, I, I'm on board with Colin Cowherd, who said there's one almost guarantee, most likely scenario. No matter what any other conference is going to do, we'll probably see SEC football. Because they their slogan is, it matters more. Uh, conservative governors in a lot of those states and uh, a lot of those schools have announced that they're going back to school in the fall. And, uh, and they just might continue to bow their heads above everybody else in college football and play when other places aren't and don't deem it safe and uh, continue to just uh, rake in the money, rake in the best recruits. And I think that's a pretty fair prediction. Uh, if it's not safe, they won't play. I can tell you that. Uh, if it's not safe, they won't play. Um, and we're still a ways away. I think we're going to get let's, – let's put July 4th as our uh, date of uh, absolutely in or out for a college football this fall. Because if, if things get – let's say if they get worse, and right now they're not uh, technically uh, with all the statistics – um, things are going to get better and better every week. And here we are, the, what, sixth day of May. Well, let's see what happens in two months. Let's give us eight weeks to find out what's going. You can still prop everything up and get going uh, beginning July 4th uh, if you're looking at schedules. Um, that's why I'm kind of interested to see what the NFL is going to do tomorrow night because we'll get the NFL schedule tomorrow. It kind of sounds like, uh, you know, there's a couple of options out there for them. They'll start the season later, run the Super Bowl later, or they'll go with the, the original dates. And I think there's another option out there that if college football decides they're not going to play, the NFL is going to move some of those games yeah. to Saturday night. Yeah. Um, so, but I think by July 4th, we're going to have a really, really good handle yeah. on uh, on how things are going. All right. So we're going to hear from Mike Florio on the NFL's start and what they're going to do if they end up starting late and finishing late. That's always a part of the plan as well. 
Uh, with college football, no overarching governing body for FBS football. It's not the NCAA. Conferences make the decisions. Dari Noka of the SEC Network told us last week, oh, he expects the Power Five Conference commissioners to get all together and play nice and find a day where everyone's playing so we don't have this inequity. And look, he's more plugged in than we are, but it's hard for me to buy. And in the meantime, I, I agree, Craig, there's a lot of time to figure this out, and but Nobody else has anything better to do with the time right now than to get opinions from powers that be, whether it be coaches, athletic directors, presidents. And so here are a couple ones from the Big Ten. Um, James Franklin of Penn State. That's a powerful institution and a powerful coach. This is coming from the four letter. If state governments and medical experts allow a majority of schools within a conference to play college football, they should play even if coronavirus restrictions prevent a few other teams within the same league from returning. This is what Penn State coach James Franklin said. He expects a way inconsistent return across the Power Five conferences because of varying state by state restrictions and reopening plans. Quote, I can't imagine right now that we're all going to open at the same time. If the SEC, for example, opens up a month earlier than the Big Ten, and the Big Ten is able to open up in 12 of the 14 schools, if two schools can't open, I don't see a conference, any conference, penalizing 80% or 75% of the schools because 25% of them can't open. James Franklin goes on. To me, unless there's a level playing field and the NCAA comes out and says no one's opening before this date to try to help with that, What you really end up doing is you end up hurting the conference. So two or three of the schools in our conference that are ranked in the top 10 have the ability to open and a couple of our schools don't. And you make the decision to hold the entire conference back. You're hurting the conference as a whole in terms of your ability to compete, unquote. Now, you know, within the discussion of the pandemic, I'm I'm more of a safety safety first person than you, Craig, and a lot of people with our climate today. and, And that includes sports. However... Um, I do kind of agree with James Franklin on this because uh, it feels like if you know a couple places can't play, then everybody can't play. And look, I'll agree with him in the in the assertion. And this is coming from a Big Ten coach, and I think part of what he is saying is we expect most of the SEC to play. They're the biggest, most powerful conference already. Half of their guys went in the you know half of the first round of the NFL draft was SEC players on average. The last seven years, 53 SEC players are drafted and 36 from the Big Ten. And, and that's the gap. And those are arguably the two best conferences. And, and, and there's a big gap between one and two. And the pandemic should put everything in perspective. But really, Craig, it's the world. It's competition. It's business. There's a lot of dollars here. These are football programs. But the, the, these are corporations masked as football programs. And they don't want to fall behind the competition at the other part of the country or within their own neighborhood, within their own conference. And so James Franklin is kind of right with the prediction. Schools like Penn State say if Pennsylvania uh, says go ahead and play in a conference where maybe Maryland says don't and the whole the rest of the Big Ten, including Penn State, can't play, well, they're going to be left in the dust of the SEC, which could potentially, I believe, play instead. Do you agree with that? It I see. I see the one option. It's either it's it's all for one or one for all. Uh, that old phrase. Yeah. Um, <sighs> it's tough. It, it, it well, it is tough because of where we're at right now. 
Uh, no doubt about it. it it's tough. Oh, I, I'm all for getting back, but get everybody back to work. I'm all for that. We need to get that to get people working so they can start making money again. Way too many people unemployed. Let's get back to work. It's uh, we'll be able to do it safe. But uh, as far as I, I, I think, John, you and I would not want to be the commissioner of yeah. uh, of some conference right now because it's like. <sighs> But yet, you know what? They're they're doing their due diligence of, of of putting their options together. The NFL seems to be like the one that uh, it's it, we're all in, oh, no matter what's going to happen. Oh, they're ramrodding uh, it. They don't have to worry about schools starting. Um, I mean, from what we can gather, I mean, we continue to talk to people like South Dakota State Athletic Director Justin Sell, and he doesn't have definite answers. He can't even tell us definitely that if students can't go back to class, then they can't play football. He didn't necessarily say, oh, yeah, that is definitely the case. Um, here, I'm sure that is the case. If there's no classes, there's no sports. Yeah, but uh, let's just say, no well, we do know definitely is if there is classes, there is sports. And, uh, and well. They're planning this fall. Yeah, some schools are. South Dakota and South Dakota State are. Uh, you know, we keep hearing drips and drabs, Oklahoma State and a bunch of schools in the south. And, um, and again, that probably comes from conservative governors that have that mindset. Let's get back to work. Let's get back to school. And but that, here is Minnesota Regent Michael Hisu on the Paul Feinbaum show. And Feinbaum is a national show, but it is engineered out of the south, out of SEC country in Birmingham, Alabama. And Paul Feinbaum is an unapologetic SEC uh, snob. And, and he had a University of Minnesota regent who said, quote, I would say that based on what's available to us today in terms of science and vaccine development, I think the odds are that we are not going to be back in school in the fall in person. And again, he's speaking on behalf of the University of Minnesota schools, which includes, of course, the Gophers in Minnesota. And this regent said on Feinbaum's show, this may mean that sports is also not going to be happening, at least in the beginning. Now, I don't know how they're going to make a transition halfway through the fall semester and decide to have students on campus. But right now, I think based on everything I've heard, it just doesn't look likely. And that's the latest from a high-ranking official at the University of Minnesota telling us he doesn't expect school to be back in the fall and therefore sports to be happening. And then the chairman of the Minnesota Board of Regents, Ken Powell, said, oh, whoa, whoa. He released a statement that said, whoa, this does not reflect the position of the Board of Regents or the university uh, uh, and do not reflect conversations had by either bodies. <laughs> so we have a regent possibly going rogue. The chair of the regent saying, whoa, this isn't the whole entire University of Minnesota's position. But, uh, you know, so again, we're, we're just kind of all over the place here. And um, and we and you know I'd, I'd like to think we won't be all over the place in a couple months, but we might be, and then we might be on the football field in in September. And uh, our, our team's going to be hastily coddling together different games, uh, finding teams that can play if one of the teams on their schedule can't play. So um, that's just what's been going on today. James Franklin making his statement, the uh, Minnesota Regent making his. And, uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll refer to Colin Coward for the last word on, on major college football for the moment. The SEC, and I've stayed away from predictions, the SEC is going to have a college football season. Period. That's my one prediction. Joy's been here. I've said, only thing I know about this thing, social distancing does appear to work. I don't know anything else. 
But I'm going to make, and I've stayed away from guessing if leagues are going to start or not. I think it's ridiculous when you've got people predicting in May, the first week, what's going to happen in the third week in September. As I said before, you watch a local weather forecast, if they go past four or five days, the accuracy falls off the table. They have radar. How do I know what's going to happen in September? Do we get medicines? Do we get a vaccine? They're fast-tracked. What? I don't know. I don't even think epidemiologists agree on half of this stuff from what I read. But I'll make one prediction. The SEC, it matters more in the South. That's their slogan. They're going to have a season. I don't know about the Pac-12, but why should the SEC have to wait for the Pac-12? Even within conferences like the Big Ten, Rutgers in New Jersey, they've been hit hard by the virus. Nebraska, not so much. Nebraska's like, we're all in. It's a recruiting advantage. I know, it's unseemly, right? Competition, but we competed for business post 9-11, and you're going to compete during the virus for business. There's Colin Coward from earlier today. So that's college football. Yep. And I again, agree. Yep. Uh, that is college football, major college football. Uh, minor college football, I mean, it was still tough to get from Justin Selkrig if we're going to have a full slate of FCS games. They, I don't know if the NCAA necessarily dictates the FCS, but again, different schools dictate if their students are going back. And um, South Dakota plans on that happening for now in the fall. And uh, if that happens, and we expect their football teams to get together, but they may not be able to play their full slate of games. And so we'll just continue to wait and see. Now, you mentioned the NFL. And uh, the NFL doesn't have to worry about that whole uh, the kids got to go to class sort of thing. Um, the the fo- football players, the NFL players, have the least amount of bargaining power of any sport. Um, and uh, the NFL has too much money to lose, and they, they're, they're going after it. They've, they've shown that consistently with, nope, we're doing the draft. Nope, we're doing the schedule rollout. Out tomorrow night and great yeah i, like I mean it. most of us do um you know gets us excited gives us something to watch and, and by the way that's all safe that's all done virtually that's all stuff that's you know decisions that are made in boardrooms and released on tv off of computers it's not like we're, we're having games with people in the stands right now nfl uh, teams by the way will be able to release their schedule 30 minutes before the uh, nfl ooh, network broadcast okay. so uh 6 30 tomorrow night Look up your favorite NFL team. They'll release the schedule. We'll get we'll get a little more excited about this on, on tomorrow's show, especially about the Vikings schedule and how that could look, and then certainly react to it on Friday. But here's Mike Florio. Now, Dan Patrick asked him about the possibility of the NFL truncating its season, if perhaps... It, because look, as Colin said, some states are ready are more ready to go quote unquote back to work and or think that they're over the virus than others. And when it comes to the NFL, you know, California's on lockdown. You expect anybody to go to a football stadium in Los Angeles anytime soon? The governor of California said a month ago, no, I don't. But some states might allow not just, you know, go ahead and have sports, but uh, they really can't stop NFL teams from playing. But uh, some states will have measures that say, go ahead, fans can get back in the stands, and some won't. And so Dan Patrick theorizes that the NFL might want to have a one-for-all, all-for-one thing when it comes to the fans, and maybe it will wait and postpone the start of its season uh, so we can have something consistent on that. And um, and if it is a truncated season, less than 16 games, the NFL, of course, tomorrow night, they're going to roll out the schedules. They plan on 16, and they plan it starting when it was always going to start. But just in case, uh, what would a 12- or 14-game schedule look like? How would that be decided? Here's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. 
Yeah, I don't know at this point, but it does make sense to look at the schedule very carefully when it comes out to look for those clues. That's the first thing I'm going to do. There's been speculation that the interconference games will be the first four weeks of the season, and those would be the ones that would most easily be wiped out or maybe taken away and put on that back end of the schedule. Dan, I think it is very possible that the season would be delayed by up to a month to accommodate the ability to have open stadiums. Politically, it's going to be delicate in states like California to get the governors to sign off on the idea of letting anyone who chooses to show up, understanding the risks, and, and testing will be much more prevalent by then. It'll be easier for people to know if they've had this virus via antibody testing. But if delaying it a month allows every state that has an NFL stadium to get to the point where they'll say, go ahead, let people show up if they choose to, that's what they would do. And then I guess they could take those first four games and tack them onto the back end of the season if that's what they choose to do. But I'm going to be looking for that flexibility that may kind of scream out from the schedule the moment that it's released. All right, so that was Mike Florio on the Dan Patrick Show yesterday. Another thing Florio had to say in an interview he did right before that, Craig, with Paul Allen, voice of the Vikings, is imagine imagine the scheduling inequity of this. I'll take a perfect example of the Vikings schedule. They have to go to Seattle again. seems like they have to go play in Seattle every year. And it's one of the toughest places to play in the NFL because it's one of the loudest stadiums. Also, weather is a factor. Uh, last couple months of the, the season up there, it rains a lot, gets cold. Tough to throw the ball and catch it. And imagine the difference between the Vikings if they were to go to Seattle, to Washington, a place that had one of the first outbreaks of the virus in the country, and that state's not ready to have fans in the stands, but the NFL is, you know, we're going. You go up to Seattle, you play there where it is warm and sunny, which it is in September, and no fans in the stands. You're the Vikings, (laughs) you know. You're not impeded by the weather. It's warmer, and you're not impeded by the 12th man. And compare that to if the Vikings were to go to Seattle in November and December, which by that point, maybe uh, they give the the go-ahead for fans to be in the stands, and now the Vikings are going up like they usually are. The last two years, later in the season, uh, of the roaring crowd where you can't hear yourself think and, uh, and, and potentially wet weather with the ball, and the Vikings have lost two in a row out there. I mean, scheduling and when you're getting these teams on the schedule is going to make a big difference. And, you know, Florio was partly making the points of the inequity that we might have in NFL scheduling this year based off of, again, um, decisions that will be made be state by state because of the virus. I think it's a great idea that Seattle do not allow any fans in their stadium <laughs> when the Vikings play there, no matter when yeah. uh, they play there yeah. this year. So are the NFL owners going to get together and give this the go-ahead that uh, let the chips fall where they may with these schedules. And it's just tough tough cookies if you, you have to go to Seattle you know, when there's a full stadium versus not a full stadium. It's just, it's just uh, that's it, things are going to be a little off with the NFL season. Or are they going to wait for everybody to be ready to be back in the stands? We don't know, but clearly they're thinking about it. They have plans in place. We might get a late September start and a late February finish. And by the way, Florio said on PA's show, oh, by the way, the NFL has always wanted to, uh, for years, has wanted to move this season back. Uh, not necessarily the start, but the finish of it all the way to President's Day weekend, Craig, so we can have Super Bowl Sunday the day before a lot of the country gets Monday off. 
because Super Bowl Sunday is such a holiday to us anyway, and you just move it to oh, later. You think, uh, you think you're getting that day off? You think you're getting that day off? I, I wasn't talking specifically about me, oh, but most of America. It's only the government workers that uh, get the day off. <laughs> but that's what the NFL has wanted to do for a while, and the virus might I'm just okay push that. this back. I'm okay with that going yeah. into late February. Yeah. still talking the NFL. Sure, why not? Because uh, nobody's watching regular season college basketball anymore, except for, you know, the, the diehard fans in Brookings and Vermilion and Iowa City and some years Lincoln. So, uh, anyway, that, that's the latest. And, by the way, we had, uh, well, we, we I wouldn't say a clearer picture, but an update from the Assistant Executive Director of the South Dakota High School Activities Association on if our fall sports, including football, will start on time and if there will be fans in the stands there. So we'll hear what John Krogstrand has to say about that next. And then later in the hour, what Krogstrand had to say about today's football advisory committee meeting and where we are, (laughs) how close we are to finally agreeing on cutting South Dakota high school football from seven classes to five. Stay tuned for that at about a quarter to six. But we'll have uh, the update on the start time for high school football and one of our good friends of the program, USF basketball coach Chris Johnson. He is always quick with an opinion on just about anything. I'd love to hear his opinions as a guy who coaches young men today in this generation of basketball. This Michael Jordan documentary how well Michael would have performed in today's NBA or LeBron and some of today's players in Michael's NBA. You know he'll bring it. That's all coming up next on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230 and KWSN.com. Get the latest local sports news, scores, schedules, and columns from John Gaskins by going to KWSN.com. Also hear the station live and Craig and John segments on demand at KWSN.com. Man, I miss sports. I know you do, too. But on Sports Talk with Craig and John, every weekday on KWSN, we're giving you shows that'll make you think, smile, and laugh. Guests like Ernie Johnson, Chuck Foreman, Mike Dom, Matt Mooney, Ben Lieber, Paul Allen, Mel Antonin, who told us what it's like to live with the virus, plus local coaches and athletes telling us how they're dealing with the downtime. Check out our podcast page at KWSN.com. Tune in weekdays 3 to 6. Craig and John, your Sioux Falls sports escape. Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, and KWSN. Sports Talk with Craig and John brought to you by Dustex. Dustex customizes entry mats. Dustex. Weplayclean.com. Yeah, I, I think what we're going to do is, is continue to work with our, our health partners and, and, again, Governor's Office, Department of Health, as far as what those guidelines might be. You know, I, obviously we've seen the... The different different reports where you got the Miami Dolphins saying, "Well, we're only going to have fifteen thousand yeah. people in our sixty-five thousand stadium," or you got the you know Major League Baseballs that are saying maybe in front of nobody, and and you know talking to some of my friends who work in in the college levels and the things that they're looking at. So I think the 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 answer is is it's pretty wide open. John Krogstrand, Assistant Executive Director, South Dakota High School Activities Association, just on fans in the stands at high school football games. This upcoming fall, will there be, won't there be, will there be restrictions, varieties? Uh, a little bit more on that in a moment. It is Craig and John here on Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230 and KWSN.com. We just went through some of the latest hints of when college football will start, which seems to be all over the place, NFL, and uh, and now high school football. And, Craig, we asked John earlier today, 
just the latest on that, because remember, about a month ago on this show, Kim Nelson, the head coach of Sioux Falls Roosevelt, said he is in no way comfortable with high school football starting anytime soon without a without a vaccine and um, and being responsible for a kid on his team having the virus and they're close to each other, they're breathing on each other, they're sweating together, all that stuff. Um, I asked, so we asked one of the uh, one of the suits at the SDHSAA about where what they're thinking right now for the start of the fall sports season. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I would say cautious optimism at this point. I mean, you, you, we having the governor come out and, and having the, the back to normal plans and those kinds of discussions there. Schools are continuing to work. I mean, absolute hats off to all of our school personnel. I mean, what, what used to be 40 and 50 and 60 hour weeks are now 60, 70, 80 hour weeks and working with kids and, and to do that. And I think there's a lot of coaches too that would tell you and, and school people that would tell you if we don't have activities and athletics, are our kids going to come back? Are they going to be as motivated to continue to do the learning and to do the things that, you know, that, that's secured over a lot of them right now of continuing to do distance learning is, you know what, we got to be eligible for football. we got to be eligible for, for basketball coming up. So I, there, there is an important caveat to all of that. Okay, I just want to step in on that, uh, Craig, because I, I have a 16-year-old who falls in that category. Not a bookworm. I mean, he, he struggles at school and he struggles to be motivated by school and being eligible for sports and having sports. I mean, we were discussing this over the campfire the other night without him there. That, uh, that, that's, uh, that, that's a very valid point that John Krogstrand brings up. I'm just going to say that I had to go to a medical facility today, and mm-hmm. all he did was took my temperature. Mm-hmm. And uh, they saw what it was, and they said, fine, come on in. Why can't we do that at the entrances of every place we go? Yeah. If you're going to go to a football game, they just take your temperature. If you're 98.6 or whatever, you're in. If you're at whatever they want at 100, you're not getting in. Seems to me that uh, could be one thing you look at. Man, we hope so. Um, because uh, my husband has been showing symptoms that they say the virus has, but one symptom has not been fever. And they've told, and he's called. He's made the calls. He's had asthma his whole life, and he has allergies during the springtime. And he's had a lot of coughing, and he's had a lot of muscle aches, and he's had a lot of chills. And these are some of the symptoms, but they tell him, um, you know, monitor your symptoms. But if you don't have a fever, then you're not even qualified to be tested. And that's a little they're troubling. The experts. They're, they're the experts. They are the experts. And so um, so to your point, yes, when it comes to and, and no doubt, whether it's South Dakota or, you know, the NFL and everything in between, we know officials are doing everything they can. Medical experts are doing everything they can to make that possible wherever we go, not just sporting events, but, you know, that we could, because there's, there's, thermometers are going off the rack. We keep, we keep looking for thermometers, and there's no, the places we're looking, there's no thermometers in town. And uh, that certainly is a, a, of a big help, again, to, you know, before you ever go get a COVID test. Hopefully COVID tests will be much more readily available within the next few months, and uh, this will seem like a long time ago when we start talking about that. But anyway, here's Krogstrand with uh, more about uh, high school fall sports and if they'll start on time. You know, at the end of the day, obviously, we're going to continue to follow the guidelines and, and do what's recommended of us. We've got some great partners that are different health facilities across across the state, the National Federation. You know, and the NCAA has come out with their kind of their return to play guidelines and plan that, that just hit, uh, uh, hit the, the public, I think, within the last couple of days as far as you know, a three-tiered step of being able to come back to some level of normalcy. Again, we've got to see cases go down. We've got to see those instances go down. We've got to be able to be where it's safe to be back in school. 
Uh, but then realistically taking a look at what we do, we might, yeah, we're going to have some adjustments and maybe some changes when I talk, when you talk about coming to games and, and, and seeing how those things work out. And, you know, maybe the test case is, is whatever summer baseball does this, you know, this summer, whether it's American Legion or, or in a club aspect or, or any of those things. And, and learn from others and see what we're doing. But again, I, I think we're cautiously optimistic that, that there will be a fall sports season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, really we are, it's actually, I think 12 months away or 12 weeks away, take it back, uh, from our first slate of practices, August 3rd, we've got soccer teams that are hitting the pitch and are out practicing already. So we know that that is sooner rather than later. And we've got to be ready to make those decisions, make sure our kids are in a safe place. But I think the direction that we're trending, the news that we're hearing, and the positive steps that everybody keeps taking are, are very helpful towards having that. Now we've just got to kind of keep it up and uh, and have those things break our way. But we're absolutely planning for uh, planning for the best, but also you know preparing for the other side of things too. And we'll we'll be adaptable as we need to be. But certainly, it, it is our goal to have that full championship season here for fall of 2020. John Krogstrand of the SDHSAA. Um, and again, he said fans in the stands. I mean, some some places might have, let, let it be full bore, and some might not. And uh, but if they're gonna, if the kids are gonna be able to play sports. They're definitely going to um, play the sports. Uh, let's go to the tires, tires, tires fan line here on Craig and John Fox Sports ninety eight one AM twelve thirty KWSN dot com. By the way, you can hear the full interview with John Krogstrand at the Marv's Body Shop podcast page KWSN dot com. And we'll have more from him about this five-class thing and Craig's thoughts about that uh, in eh, about about 15 minutes. But Chris Johnson joins us. He's the head coach of the University of Sioux Falls men's basketball team for over a decade now. And uh, it's been a while since we've talked to Chris. It's great to have you. And uh, how, are, how are you getting through things with your job and your line of work over the last several weeks? It's, it's been interesting, no doubt. Um, you know, the first part of kind of the stay at home the first month was awesome, to be honest with you. It wasn't awesome work-wise, you know, having to only interact with your guys on Zoom and, you know, try to figure out what the new normal was going to be for the rest of the school year. But I don't remember having a week straight with my family, let alone a month. So that was great. Oh, okay. I was going to say, uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing, Chris? I don't oh, know. <laughs> it was great. I mean, when you have young kids and you're gone a lot, with your job. I mean, yeah. it's been pretty cool. I mean, I've, I've taken my, my kids out fishing a couple times. We've done just some things that sometimes we don't always get a chance to do this time of year, but I'm itching to not be at home for 24 hours every day, like everybody else at this point, I'm sure. Well, since you haven't been able to be on the road either, have you spent maybe a little more time than normal maybe looking at more offenses, more defenses, uh, coming up with uh, – particular plays that you normally wouldn't do yeah you know we always self-scout at some point during the summer Uh, i've watched every one of our games that we played last year twice already (laughs) since the season got done and i know it seems like well yeah you guys have been done with your season forever it's only been about a month month or two you know like it hasn't been that long um just now i will tell you this you want to get really irritated uh watch games that happened three to six months ago and it just makes you angry all over again when, when you don't play well or whatever uh and when you do play well it's like oh okay uh, but yeah i mean we've spent more time as a staff probably meeting and talking about different things that we could do uh because you, you, we don't just those don't happen organically like they do in the office 
hey, I saw this last night. What do you think? You know, now we have to pretty much set it up and, all right, well, you watch this, I'll watch this, and we'll we'll, we'll meet on it later in the week. So it's been different for sure. And there's, there's been, been – oh, go ahead, Craig. Yeah. I was just saying there's been a lot of football coaches who are getting together and doing kind of their own camps uh, uh, virtually. Have, you, have basketball coaches uh, picked up Zoom or any other things to get together to talk about basketball? Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I've actually – my first head coaching job was at a small school down in Missouri, uh, Culver Stockton College. And so I've been getting on the Missouri coaches one with uh, high school and, and uh, college coaches down there once a week. Uh, I've had several of them with Northern Sun, a group of Northern Sun guys that uh, I'm pretty tight with. Uh, those are a little bit different. We're not giving too many secrets out in those ones, but uh, the Missouri ones have been a little bit more fun that way. But yeah, you you find different ways. We have time now. There's sometimes you don't feel like you have time to do some of those things. So uh, there's been positives for sure that have come out of this as well. And certainly you've had time on Sunday evenings, the last three, a couple hours <laughs> set aside for the last dance. Chris Johnson, University of Sioux Falls men's basketball coach, joins us on Craig and John. About once a summer when the NBA Finals roll around, uh, we'll, we'll discuss how South Dakotans aren't really into the NBA and why aren't they. And Chris will come on here and tell us all the great things that people are missing in yesterday's NBA. But a lot of what we're watching is uh, NBA back in Jordan's day. What have been your biggest takeaways? Uh one, it's probably just the memories. You know, I, it, I mean, from the music, from because that's straight. Hmm. All six of those titles are basically from my freshman year in high school until I graduated from college. And so, like the music, uh, remembering how physical the game was back then um, and, and how much I loved watching it in that way, um, how much more I like Michael Jordan and the Bulls now. When I was a guy back then, I didn't root for him. I've always loved him as a player, but I, they won so much, right? It's kind of like the Patriots, you know, whatever. They do it every year. Um, so those are the things I've taken away is just, oh, I remember that play. Oh, I remember that Starks dunk on Scottie Pippen because I was watching it live and I went crazy, you know, and just some of that stuff. It's been more nostalgic than anything for me. Why do you suppose the – we think about it now. Why did the NBA allow that physical type of play, and we don't have it now? What, what was going on? Yeah, and what makes better? What's better for it, uh, Chris? The, the the style of basketball back then, or what we have now? It, well, I'll say this: I have no idea why they allowed it to get to where it did. I mean, you'll see some of those plays in the Last Dance where Lambeer's tomahawk chopping somebody to the ground. It's not even a technical. Yeah. You know, now they throw you out of the game in about two seconds. Yeah. So I have no idea why they let, allow that to happen. Uh, I love the game when it's physical, you know, and all of those things. But most people pay money for tickets and show up you know, on their couches to watch TV to see offense, right? Like that's every sport they always make it about offense, right? Because that's what sells tickets. If you think about it, they try to change hockey to make it easier to score goals. I mean, baseball turned the other other way why guys were doing things they weren't supposed to be because guys were hitting home runs. Football, you can't touch a wide receiver anymore, right? You can't touch a quarterback. And so I think that naturally more people would say they'd rather watch the game the way it's played right now. But I, Steph Curry might have a tough time playing against the bad boy Pistons back in the day physically. That's what I was going to get to next. There's, there's Steph Curry. But how would they do? How would a team like that do in today's game with today's rules? They wouldn't have a chance, would they? Probably not. Yeah. You know, I mean, just 
I think that, you know, I think we get in trouble when we try to compare eras a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, people, what's the one thing everyone's talk about now? Michael's better than LeBron, right? And I happen to be in that camp very steadfastly. You can ask our guys from our Zoom meeting last night. Remind us why. <laughs> Remind us why. <laughs> well, he just, he's, a, he's got more killer instinct in him. You yeah. know, I mean, he's, he's all of those. I think LeBron has done far more for people outside of basketball social justice, all of those, things that Michael wouldn't touch. But you get on the floor, I don't think it's that close. But I, I laugh when they say, well, LeBron couldn't play back then. Yeah, he could. He's 6'9", 260. Yeah. He could play back there just fine. Just like Michael Jordan could play in today's age. Yeah, I saw somebody write today, like, oh, he couldn't average 40 or 50 points in playoff games to, today. And really? I, I just He'd yeah. shoot 30 free throws a game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's. You know, I mean, and, and I mean, I I do think those are the best two players I've ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. I never saw Wilt play. I I caught Kareem at the end of his career. You know, uh, same with Bird and Magic, really. And so, but I mean, they're the best two players I've ever seen. But if you ask me, if I had to go win a game, which one I'd take? I'd take Jordan for sure. Did your players have an under? How much of an understanding did they have of Michael Jordan before? Because I'm sure they have gotten into the Jordan Lebron conversations. They can see all the highlights they want, but they've seen more of LeBron in today's game. Have you sensed any sort of um, uptick or, or different yep. perspective on MJ from your they had, from your players? Yep, they had no idea how good he was. You know, it was just us old guys spewing that some guy back in the day when we liked the game was better, right? You know, and yep. so they did the same thing I would have done back then. Like, okay, you know, I remember my dad like, well, you think Michael Jordan's so good? You should have seen Oscar Robertson, right? Yeah. And, so, uh-huh. and I probably rolled my eyes. Well, Oscar Robertson was pretty darn good, you know? <laughs> and so I, I've noticed that they're a little bit more like, oh, okay, now it's more of a 50-50 split. Um, but I don't think it was, you know, back in back in the day. And I think they never realized how good Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman were until they watched us. Hey, uh, Craig, anything left for Chris? Well, I was just going to say that back at the time, if if – USF and the Northern Sun was playing that kind of physical basketball that the Knicks and the Bulls and the Pistons and the Bulls. I don't know how much more crazy you would get on the sideline there, Chris. <laughs> well, I know this. Our team tried to play that way last year. We certainly weren't out <laughs> outscoring people like today's game. We were the throwbacks for sure. But uh, I, I do know this. I've calmed down a lot as I've gotten older. Uh, there's, you're not changing the call. So just get on to the next thing. So. I, I just know there's one player who would have loved to have played that way. Maybe he did anyway. That was Skylar Block when he was on your team. Oh, yeah. He, he yep. always loved to get physical out there. Yeah, Skylar Block, uh, Garrett Van Loor would have liked it. Uh, Chase Grindy on our team currently pretty much would rather run into you than around you. So, uh, you know, those kind of guys are... Uh, there are not as many of them as there used to be, but there's still a place in the game for them, that's for sure. Chris, it's always great to catch up, and uh, probably we'll have to get another report once the whole once the whole last dance is done on the finality of it. But th- thank you for your yeah. time today. It's great to hear your voice. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you too, guys. I appreciate it. Anytime. Take care. You bet. He's head coach, University of Sioux Falls men's basketball, at Coup Basketball on Twitter, Chris Johnson. Okay, John Krogstrand from the SDHSAA, latest on this uh, seven-class to five-class system and how Craig feels all about it, uh, where we're headed with that to round out Craig and John, plus Hawkeye fans, something you'll really love and Husker fans will really hate. Uh, in case you missed it in the 4 o'clock hour, this is Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230 and KWSN.com. 
Follow the show. Respond to the show. Vote in our polls and get the latest sports news on Twitter. Go to twitter.com slash KWSN Sports. Sports Talk with Craig and John brought to you by Plastic Surgery Associates. Over 36 years of serving the region for face, body, and skin. Go to PlasticSurgeryAssociatesOfSD.com. Um, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is winning. Uh, kids these days, you know, 17-year-old kid, think about this. If you go back five years, it's 12, Okay. That's when you really kind of start to understand football and college football. Starts to kind of pay attention to it a little bit more. All the way up to today, like I do. Kids today, they like winners. <laughs> they like people who are winning. They like people who are seem to have their stuff together. Like even CJ and K, my oldest friends, when they grew up, they liked USC. They liked Reggie Bush, you know, because at the time, those guys were winning. Cluster Johnson, who is a wingback for Nebraska's 94-95 national title teams and that option offense with the Huskers. And he is telling us why his son Keegan, a senior to be at Bellevue West, a three-star wide receiver, yes, the younger brother of Cade Johnson, one of the best wideouts in the country at the FCS level, who's balling for South Dakota State, why Keegan chose Iowa over Nebraska. Hawkeyes have won 12, 8, 8, and 10 games uh, within the last five years. Nebraska's had four out of five losing seasons and lost to Iowa four out of five times. I don't think Nebraska Iowa is getting as close to the elite as Keegan said in the Omaha World Herald today. Uh, they haven't made the Big Ten Championship game since 2015, but they certainly are higher in the hog than Nebraska, and that's a big reason why. Uh, Keegan chooses the Hawkeyes over his dad's Huskers, Craig. And uh, Cluster said it was easier for him to take than uh, it was when his first son didn't get recruited by Nebraska, went to Wyoming, Cade went to SDSU. All three of them played at Cluster's high school alma mater at Bellevue West in Omaha. So he wasn't as crushed as, as probably a lot of Husker fans were, even though he played for some of the best Husker teams. Uh, it's a real interesting interview. It hurts to hear as a Husker fan, but it's reality. Craig, what I got out of that bite, though, is kind of hidden in all this beyond the Nebraska-Iowa thing. Kids want to play for winners. That's not a bad, and that's not a bad element of kids today, is it? No, that's, kind of, that, that's kind of been, uh, that, that's not the first time we've heard it. I mean, that's been going on a long time. Sure. Uh, typically, programs that win seem to have the, uh, like the snowball at the top of the hill, yeah. and they roll it down, and they just keep getting better. They get more kids, they get the better kids, and it just keeps steamrolling um, until they start losing, and then, you know, they got to start all over again. What I take from this is that he's got three three boys playing for three different uh, universities, um, and certainly, you know, I don't think there was pressure on those kids to go to Nebraska, uh, and maybe the kids didn't want to go to Nebraska because their dad was really good there, and did they want to live in that that aura that they're in the same place and they should be as good as their dad was? Well, Nebraska didn't recruit either of his first two kids. Well, okay, well, then that takes that away. Yeah, I mean, um, so they but, didn't want to walk Keegan, on. They wanted to play but, for a scholarship, yeah. But but Keegan, uh, I, I don't know if that was a major part of it, uh, not going to Nebraska, but uh, he was, uh, 
Keegan was pretty pretty adamant, saying that he wanted to go somewhere that was winning, and that yeah. that's kind of like, ooh, that's like a little yeah. gut punch. And stable. He used, yeah, you're right. He used the word stable in the Omaha World Herald. The program stability, and Iowa, according to him, is trending up. And the recruiting visit to Iowa reminded Cluster of his recruiting visit to Nebraska and the Huskers coaching staff. And he, uh, he gave Scott Frost and his coaching staff that they did a fabulous job of trying to get Keegan there, but... Uh, I also asked him after the show just exactly what you said, Craig. I texted Cluster. I said, was Keegan choosing Iowa a matter of just plain not wanting to go where Dad went? And he texted me back this. No, I don't think that was an issue. Again, these kids want to see a winner. He was seriously considering Nebraska, but Troy Walters, the offensive coordinator, got fired, and they were becoming cool. Uh, then, no spring ball for a team that needed it badly. Then, just the unstableness of when this train was going to get back on track. It's a total guessing game. Believe me, I want Nebraska to do well, but we just don't know when they will. And to go there thinking that my whole career could be losing, it's not a good thought. Again, that's Cluster Johnson speaking on behalf of Keegan, three-star wideout, Bellevue West in Omaha, choosing the Hawkeyes over the Huskers and what his dad thinks about all that so well, uh, they should have offered Cade let me tell you that Husker the, should have went after Cade the well and by the way I agree knowing what we know now about Cade the coronavirus hurt this as well because um, he was to go to Nebraska on his official visit June 12th through the 14th Iowa one week later K-State the other finalist for Keegan Johnson was also going to happen and you can't go to any of those no official visits during this coronavirus pandemic anytime soon and yet keegan just decided screw it i'm just going to decide now he's committed to the hawkeyes and he's had unofficial visits by the way at both iowa and nebraska so he's probably seen what he needs to see know what he needs to know and it doesn't look like there's any changing his mind one quick note with cade um you know you can listen to the podcast at kwsn.com craig cluster would not give specifics about what Cade was doing after this uh, junior season at South Dakota State. Uh, he would not deny that other schools were looking at him, and he was looking at other schools, and that's in the FBS level. And some Husker fans were wondering if Cade was considering or being wooed by Scott Frost, partly because I think people would think that is because Cluster played at Nebraska. Um, and the Frost was a uh, walk-on in Cluster's senior year. Frost was, a, I should say, a transfer uh, in Cluster's senior year. So I don't know how well Cluster and Scott know each other. But um, they, were, they were looking at Jabril Cox at North Dakota State moving up to the FBS level. And uh, Cade was thinking, maybe I could do that. He was uh, one of the 25 semifinalists for the best offensive player in college FCS football, the Walter Payton Award. So, Craig, he, it looked like he did do some flirting, but Cluster didn't want to make specifics about it and said Kate is committed to his senior season at SDSU. Good. Yeah, <laughs> that's good for the Jacks. Good for Jackrabbit fans. Uh, we, now we only have two minutes for this 11-class thing. Uh, John Krogstrand of the uh, SDSH, uh, SDHSAA joined us earlier today. He had this to say about how close are they getting to deciding on this uh, potential uh, seven classes to five classes thing. <laughs> I think so. I, I really do. I mean, I think the, um, the, the point or the, the time or the whatever has come, because again, I think you just, you, you just look around and, and see that over, you know, 20 years, you've lost something like 30 teams and we haven't contracted classes. In fact, we've added classes in that time frame. So right there alone, knowing that, that, you know, a lot of the 
basis for the argument has been, well, it's the spread. It's the difference between the top and the bottom. Knowing that that's coming back to the pack, that the number of teams that are playing football is coming back to the pack, there, there just has to be some natural, you know, we have consolidations of schools. We need to have some consolidation, I think, of, of the football classes. So, so I do think we will um, we'll see a motion. We'll see an effort. We'll see some discussion. We'll see a plan that comes forward. And maybe by January, Craig, we'll have the final decision on how it's going to look. I think we really will. I think we will. I think we'll get down to two nine-man teams. They're at 67 right now. If they drop to 64, it automatically goes to two classes. Then I still think we'll see 12 in the upper division, 16, and then 30, 33, or 32 in the next class of of 11-man. Get down to five. I think it's going to happen. And the the possibility of the biggest losers in some classes – um, moving down a class and some of the best teams it, moving up a class like they do in English Premier Soccer. So there's more Called to the it. success factor. Yeah. yeah, there's more to it at kwsn.com. We're done. We're back from 3 to 6 tomorrow for Craig. I'm John. Say goodnight, Craig. Goodnight, Craig.